Have you ever had someone that you care about, someone uh, that you were close to, maybe a close friend, maybe when you were a kid, maybe when you were older, doesn't matter, who just, they had to move away, they had to leave. Uh, and so you were really close to them, and then they, they moved away, and then you were not going to be able to have the same access with them. And that happened to my wife and I a few years back. We had a couple that we were very close to. We were very close to them, and we loved them so much. And they had to move back. They were originally from Illinois, and they had to move back to Illinois. And so they moved back to Illinois, and we were devastated. My wife was especially devastated. Um, she was not happy at all. But they moved back to Illinois. And so we got together with some friends, and we, and we said goodbye to them. We all spent our time. We thought this was going to be the last time we saw them. I thought it was going to be the last time we saw them just you know, until we saw them the next time at some point much later, but we would see them again. My wife thought it was the last time we would ever see them in our lives. She was panicking. And so we, we spent some time talking to them, and we said goodbye. Well, a little bit later that day, we thought that it was done. A little bit later that day in the evening, they call us and they say, hey, we really would love to just go out for pizza. And my wife was like, I don't care what you say. We're going. And if you're not going, I'm going. And I was like, of course we're going. So we go over there and we go get some pizza uh, so that we could actually say goodbye again. And we went to Boston-style pizza in Lansdale. Side note. Boston-style pizza? I mean, seriously, Boston-style? We can all agree on one thing. There's New York City pizza. And then there's a world of poor imitation. And if you don't believe that... You at least can agree with me that Boston-style pizza? I mean, it's like all those Red Sox fans up there, and we're like, oh, that's adorable. You actually think you matter. <laughs> that's not nice. That was wrong. And if you're judging me, if I put Patriots instead of that, you would have said amen, and you would have said they probably cheated at the pizza. <laughs> but we're, you know, we're, we're eating pizza, and then I will have to tell you, I don't remember anything about the time that we had prior with all of our friends together. I don't remember anything. I remember everything about that time when we were just sitting around a pizza. And there's something about those special moments. There's something about when you have to have those kind of conversations when you're sitting around food that just makes it memorable, that just makes it just warmer, that just makes it just more impactful. And today we're going to actually talk through a conversation that Jesus has in a very similar situation. Jesus knows that he's about to leave his disciples. He, he knows that he's about to get arrested. He knows that he's about to get nailed to a cross and, and die. And he knows he's going to be put in tomb. He knows, the resurrection. he knows all of this is happening. He knows he's going to be leaving his disciples. And so what does he do? He says to them, let's go have dinner. Let's go have dinner. Some may know it as the Last Supper. And so in that dinner, Jesus has a conversation with his disciples, with his friends, with those that he loves. Some people know it as the last discourse. And John uh, documents that conversation. And Jesus, in that conversation, there's one thing that he wants to say. There's a lot of things that he says to them. There's one thing we're going to look at today that he, he really wants them to get to them understand. What he wants them to understand is that they will not be left abandoned. He knows what's about to happen. He knows what's going to happen. He knows that he's going to be leaving them. In fact, he tells them that he's leaving just a little bit before what we're going to talk about today. He tells them he's leaving. He's going to go prepare a place for them. And he's talking about his ultimate death, his resurrection, and ascension into heaven to be with the Father. 
But Jesus tells them that he will not leave his disciples alone. He will not leave them abandoned. Instead, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 14. We're going to be reading from verse 26. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'd love to get you a Bible. It's our gift to you. It's free. We believe that the Bible is filled with life-changing truth, and we want you to have one. We're going to be reading from verse 16 of John chapter 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. There's a lot in this conversation that Jesus has during this Last Supper, during this final meal. And there's a lot in the passage we just read. And there's a lot about the Holy Spirit. And so we're not going to be able to cover it all today. But we're going to answer three questions today. We're going to answer three questions when we look at this passage. And three questions are this. Who, what, and why? Who, what, and why? Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And why does he do it? So let's start with who. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing that we need to understand is the question in and of itself gives us something very important that we need to know. Who is the Holy Spirit? Not what is the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not an it. This is not an Obi-Wan Kenobi situation with the force. This is not like some sort of energy field. The Holy Spirit is a person. In Ephesians 4.30, we're told that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. In Hebrews 10.29, we, we learn that he can be insulted, that he can be outraged. In Romans 15.30, we learn that he can love. These are not descriptions of an app on your phone or some software on your computer or some sort of abstract energy or some robot. These are emotional characteristics of a person. And while they may be difficult to understand, we need to understand the Holy Spirit is a person, but he's also God. And we enter into the doctrine of the Trinity. And now the doctrine of the Trinity is one of those things that's confusing to really grasp as a human being, but it's one of our foundational truths. It's one of our absolute truths. And the doctrine of Trinity tells us this. We have one God who exists in three persons. We don't have three gods. We don't have three gods. And we also don't have one God who exists in one person. It's not like God enters the scene and sometimes puts on a hat and he says, well, now I'm the father. And he puts on, he does an outfit change. He goes, well, now I'm the son. Or he puts on a different hat and says, now I'm the host. No, we have one God who exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And what we need to also understand about that is uh, the Holy Spirit is person, the Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit is sent. Just as Jesus was sent, the Holy Spirit is also sent to dwell in each disciple of Jesus personally. 
There's a, a preacher, uh, an author, a theologian in New York City named Tim Keller. And Tim Keller puts it this way. He says this, the Holy Spirit is the divine resident of the Christian's heart. The Holy Spirit is the divine resident of the Christian's heart. So if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. God in you. And then we get two titles of the Holy Spirit. As we're looking at who the Holy Spirit is, we get two titles in this passage. And they're very interesting titles. We get this title of uh, the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of Truth. And then we get this other title. This title that in the version we just read was Advocate. Now, if you read a different version, if you read a different English translation, you might get comforter, or you might get helper, or you might get counselor. And when you see different words being used to translate one of the original words from the original language, you need to understand that that original word is too rich, it's too deep for us to fully get a grasp of it in English. And so we're going to dive into that a little bit later, but the word in the original language is paraclete. Paraclete, and it's one of the titles for the Holy Spirit. And the reason I want to talk to you about these two titles is because they tell us who the Holy Spirit is. He is the Spirit of truth. He is also advocate, helper, comforter, counselor. He's the paraclete. But as you learn these titles, we we don't just learn about who the Holy Spirit is. We begin to learn a little bit about what the Holy Spirit does. What does the Holy Spirit do? So what does he do? He does a lot of things. He does a lot of things, and we're not going to be able to focus on all of that today, but we are going to focus on two areas today. We're going to focus on two areas out of the passage today. Let's start with the spirit of truth. Let's start with that title and unpack it a little bit and learn a little bit about what that means. Learn a little bit about what's going on. Well, there's an interesting statement made in verse 26. Jesus says in verse 26 that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Will remind you of everything I have said to you. That is very very important. And here's why it's important. Because when Jesus was alive, this was not invented. And so it's not like when he was walking on water, the disciples didn't go like this, selfie. That didn't happen. It didn't happen when Jesus, you know, fed the 5,000. It's not like they took a picture of the fish and the bread, and then they posted it and they say, look what Jesus did, hashtag lunch. That didn't happen. There is no video recordings of Jesus. There's no audio recordings of Jesus. And so what was happening was that they would have to rely, the authors would have to rely on their memory because these books weren't written until after, after Jesus died, after Jesus rose, after Jesus ascended into heaven. That's when these books were written and they had to rely on their memory. And that's only so limited. Enter in the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that brings back the words of Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit that brings back the teachings of Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit that brings back the truth of Jesus to those authors. And here's why that's important. At one level, at one level, it is the Holy Spirit who authors the Bible. It is the Holy Spirit who authors the Bible. At one level, we need to understand that. Yes, he brings back the teaching of Jesus to those who write the Gospels, but it goes even further. Let me give you another example of that to just show you that it is the Holy Spirit who at one level authors the Bible. 2 Peter chapter 1. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets though human, spoke from God as they were carried along 
by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Truth's greatest evidence and greatest expression is the Bible. The very Word of God, which is orchestrated and authored by the Holy Spirit. Now remember, now remember, we need to understand this. The Holy Spirit is a person. And I think that's very important. If we kind of understand that through the Holy Spirit we get the Bible, and if we understand that, through the, that the Holy Spirit is a person, then we approach the Bible in a different way. We approach the Bible not just simply as a book of facts, not just a book of information that we just try to get knowledge. It's almost more like you're, you're approaching a person that you respect, uh, approaching that you love, a person that you, that you know, and you're sitting down next to them and you're just hanging on their every word. You're just hanging on their every word. That's really the approach that we have to have with the Bible. It's one thing to read Scripture and know it in your head. It's another thing for the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ to you through the Scriptures. You see, it's one thing to know the facts. It's one thing to know the information and have that in your head. It's another thing for the Holy Spirit to actually reveal Christ to you through the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit makes the Scripture life-changing. It's the Holy Spirit who makes the Scripture life-changing. It's one thing to know the words of the Bible. It's another thing to know it in a way that it just saturates you completely. That it just, you're completely like just saturated with the Word of God. And that only comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's the Spirit of Truth. That's that first title. But what about that second title? What about that second title? What, what about that paraclete? That paraclete word. First of all, it's not parakeet. We're not talking about a little bird. It's paraclete. There's an L there. And that comes from the root word of parakaleo. Para means to walk alongside. Kaleo means to call aloud or, or, or declare. And so what we get is this picture of, of, this, of this person who is close to us, this person who is alongside us, this person who, who has this greatest nature of being for us. But then we also get this person who is willing to argue, who is willing to call aloud and defend, this, this person who is, has this strong strength, this deep strength. And why is that important? Remember the setting of this conversation. Jesus is having a meal. It is a goodbye meal. And he's basically telling his disciples goodbye. And he knows what is coming next. He knows what is coming next, not just for himself, but he knows what is on the horizon for his disciples. You see, while Jesus was alive, the target was on Jesus. While Jesus was alive and he was doing his miracles and he was doing his teachings, the target is on Jesus. The target of those religious leaders is on Jesus because Jesus is still alive. You don't read of them targeting the disciples. You don't read them of going after Peter. It's after Jesus leaves that the target shifts and it goes to his disciples. And Jesus knows that that's going to happen. He knows that there will be persecutions. He knows that there will be hardships. He knows that what they will soon face. And he sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the advocate, the advocate in the midst of those hardships. The, that word, paraclete, I, I really think that that word best um, in English is described as the advocate. In the midst of the hardships, it is the Holy Spirit that will preserve the testimony of Jesus. If we were to go just a little bit farther in uh, Jesus' conversation 
into John chapter 15. These are all, these are all the 14, 15, 16. These, these are all just part of this conversation. In verse 26 of John 15, it says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. It is an essential part of the Advocate's work. It is an essential part of the Holy Spirit's work to make sure that the witness of the gospel is unimpaired by opposition or persecution. It is an essential part of the Holy Spirit's work that the truth of the gospel, the witness of the gospel, is unimpaired by opposition or persecution. And the Holy Spirit does this by being the advocate. He does this by testifying about Jesus. He does this by doing this to the world. And then, interestingly enough, he does this even more directly by doing it to our own hearts, to each of us personally. And here's what I mean by that. Here's what I mean by that. If we're not careful, the voices of opposition, the voices of the world, the voices of just hardship could begin to diminish the truth of the gospel in our lives, could begin to diminish the truth of Jesus in our lives. But even more dangerous than that, if we are not careful, the lies that are told to us by our own hearts, the lies of shame, the lies of guilt, the lies of discouragement, the lies of of fear, they can drown out the truth of the gospel. And the Holy Spirit enters in and he fights against those lies, both against the lies from the world and opposition and the lies that we tell ourselves in our own heart. And he fights against those lies by amplifying the truth of Jesus. By amplifying the truth of Jesus. It is very easy to to get tempted to allow all of the lies, the lies of fear, the lies of discouragement, all of that to creep in and drown out the gospel. And the Holy Spirit enters in, in the midst of all of that noise, in the midst of all of that chaos, and he amplifies the truth of Jesus. Let me show you what I mean by that. So I have a ukulele. What are you laughing at? Because <laughs> I have like a shaved head and, you know. Anyway. I have a ukulele here. I bought a ukulele because, I don't really know. I bought a ukulele because I wanted to relax. I don't really know how to play. I've had it for a year. I know four notes. So if we're going to judge this by how well I do, I'm going to fail at this because I'm not that good at playing. I know four notes and I don't even know how to play them as a song. But I relax and that was the whole point. I relax by playing it. So if I was to play this ukulele, which I'm doing right now, Not many of you can hear it, can you? Some of you in the front row can hear it. I don't think any of you in Quakertown or any of you watching online can hear it. But it's playing. The notes are coming out. The truth of what this ukulele can do is playing. It's happening. Maybe, maybe I need to do this a little loud. Maybe I just can hear it a little bit, right? You can hear it a little bit. But sometimes we need just a little bit more help to actually hear the truth of something. Sometimes we just need something to be amplified. What would happen if I plugged this into an amp and I plugged it into the sound system? What would happen at that point? Then you can hear things much greater. 
You see, the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes we just need to hear above all the noise in our life the truth of the Holy, uh, that the Holy Spirit amplifies of Jesus. And it sounds so much better than the way I play the ukulele. Just so you know. But sometimes, the lies in our hearts, sometimes the opposition in our world, drown out the truth of Jesus, the truth of the gospel. But it's still plain. The truth is still there. But then the Holy Spirit enters in and it amplifies that truth. And it brings it to a whole different level for us. But not just on a personal level, also on a greater global impact. You see, the disciples, had they just gone and relied on their own testimony, that would have gotten us so far. There's just only 12 guys. There are 12 guys who followed Jesus, and one of them betrayed him. And they are the ones who are going to be relied on to continue that mission, continue what Jesus started. They are going to be the ones that are going to be relied on to bring the gospel to everyone and anyone. Twelve guys. And a couple of other of his followers. Impossible to actually happen. Unless the Holy Spirit steps in. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit that the witness of Jesus and the witness of the gospel then explodes throughout the entire earth, throughout thousands of years, into what we see today. I also think you need to understand something here. When we play this ukulele, the sound system isn't creating the notes. The sound system isn't creating the notes. The amp isn't creating the notes. The ukulele is. And what we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit isn't taking us beyond Jesus. The Holy Spirit isn't giving us a newer truth. The Holy Spirit proclaims the testimony of Jesus. And so any experience that is not under the authority of the Word of God, any experience that is not under the authority of Jesus, is not experience of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always under the authority of Jesus, just like Jesus was under the authority of the Father. There's just such this divine selflessness in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit clarifies and makes clear Jesus' teachings and ministry. He comes in Jesus' name to unfold Jesus' meaning to all of humanity. And so we've answered for ourselves this question of who is the Holy Spirit. We've answered for ourselves the question of what the Holy Spirit does, we've answered for ourselves the question of how bad Carlos is at the ukulele. But we also need to answer for ourselves, why does he do it? The Holy Spirit is God. He is a person. He is the Spirit of truth. He is our advocate. What he does is he brings to us the testimony of Jesus and amplifies it in our life and in our world. Why does he do it? You see, the purpose of the work of the Holy Spirit is simply this, to say, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at his beauty. Look at his power. Look at his grace. 
Look at the beauty and power of his work. When opposition comes to the gospel in our world, when opposition comes to the gospel in our society, when opposition comes to the gospel in our own lives, the Holy Spirit steps in and says, look at Jesus. Look at his beauty. You want to believe those lies. Let me tell you the truth of who Jesus is. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's why he does it. And to give you just a little bit more of a taste of that, we need to understand that his work, the Holy Spirit's work, is to provide guidance and discernment and to bring us closer to Jesus. And let me put it to you this way. When Jesus talks about how he will ask the Father to send another advocate, another's an important word. In order to send another advocate, that means there was an advocate before. Who is that advocate? The advocate is Jesus. The advocate is Jesus. See, John writes another writing. He writes a letter. He writes a letter, and in 1 John 2.1, he says this. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. This is the same word, that paraclete, that is used in the passage we just read in the book of John. The original advocate is Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit is the advocate who personally lives with us and who points to Jesus, the advocate who heavenly lives with the Father. The Holy Spirit is the advocate who personally lives with us, who points to Jesus, the advocate who heavenly lives with the Father. We are drawn and grow in relationship with our heavenly advocate as we listen to and learn from the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who lives personally in us. That's why he does it. That's why the Holy Spirit does what he does. So that the world and so that we may know Jesus and grow in our relationship with him. But how often do we actually listen to the Holy Spirit? If we learn of who Jesus is, if we grow in our relationship with Jesus by listening to the Holy Spirit, how often do we just stop and actually listen to what he's saying? How often do we just stop and actually listen to the truth of what he says? How often do we stop and listen to the beauty of the gospel as told to us by the Holy Spirit? You see, in a moment, we're going to have communion both here in Sourton and also in Quakertown. And during that time, oftentimes we say to spend some time reflecting, to spend some time thinking of Jesus. I realize that I've given that instruction to you before, and it's probably incomplete. Because if I'm just asking you to rely on your own reflection, if I'm just asking you to rely on your own thoughts, the beauty of what you are celebrating in communion is going to be incomplete. So today when we take communion, I'm going to ask you to reflect, but I'm going to ask you to pause and actually listen to the advocate. I'm going to ask you to pause and just take time to hear what the Holy Spirit is telling you about the beauty of the life death and resurrection of Jesus, of the beauty of the gospel. That's what we're going to do today. Take some time to listen to the Holy Spirit today 
and actually take some time to make that the regular rhythm of your life. Because if you're not listening to him, if you're not listening to him, the temptation is to listen to the wrong voices. And at that time, the beauty of the gospel might just be a little too soft for what you're going through. It might be just a little bit hard to hear for what you're going through. Take some time to press in and listen to the advocate and hear what he has to say about Jesus. Take some time during communion and take some time this week to pause and listen to the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit. And we ask you for forgiveness for the times when we don't make room for the Holy Spirit. We don't make room to hear his promptings or his leadings. I ask you for forgiveness myself for those times. I ask for forgiveness for when I've done that as a leader here. Lord, I ask you that I won't lead that way, but I would lead just dependent on you and your Holy Spirit. I ask you that we would be a church that's dependent on you and the Holy Spirit. As we spend some time today just celebrating and remembering the beauty of the death and resurrection of Jesus, I ask you that you would just speak to us and allow us to hear. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.